0: Coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce.
1: Getting an understanding of your local market. And the way that I would suggest doing that is is developing a relationship with with a real estate agent, talking to them about what it is that your goals are, if you want single family, multifamily, or if you don't know what your goals are, just having that conversation, get set up with a search. My searches come through every morning. At At one point, I had them coming through as things were popping up throughout the day, but I recognized that wasn't necessarily the best approach. But even just seeing... How property, how property transactions are going, how long they stay on the market, what the property value is, price per square foot in the areas that you're looking, the difference in property values, whether you're looking at a single family versus a multi and how they're priced differently you know, between you know, people that are actually going to live there versus an investment. You start to pick up on those, on those cues pretty naturally as you just happen to see and follow the real estate transactions in your local market.
0: Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Past the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Daniel Bobri, who is a relatively new real estate investor. So if you're looking to get started in real estate investment, this episode is one that you want to make sure to take a listen to. We're going to talk about some of the things that he did, some of the challenges that he had to overcome. And again, these are very, very common challenges that many people who are looking to get involved in real estate investing and looking to – Purchase their first investment property. These are all challenges and and hurdles that they have to jump over as well. So, again, if you're a little bit newer to real estate investing, Daniel's advice is absolutely spot on. So, I I hope you enjoy Daniel's story. And this is something that you can take to initiate and start your own investing, uh, real estate investing career. Again, I hope you enjoy Daniel's story.
1: pretty standard when you think about like that traditional American family it was kind of pretty standard my mom I have an older sister and my mom was uh, took a break in her career um, until I think we were about seven or eight years old and and my dad was uh, third generation in the family business at that point so we would all kind of gather around the dinner table and um, nothing was really a topic that was off the table Uh, my family's a little eccentric from that perspective but Mm -hmm. uh, always had a you know a always had that dinner with the with the family each night.
0: That's great. That's great. Yeah. Were you the type of person, you know, growing up where you were trying to, you know, you had the entrepreneurial spirit early or did it not hit you until a little bit later?
1: No, I was I was born with it. My family, like I mentioned, had the family business and they sold it in 1999 and I was 7 years old at the time and I remember actually explicitly asking my father and my grandfather what I'm supposed to do with myself now. So at that point, you know, it was kind of that constant, what could I do to to make a little bit of a living? You know, middle school, sixth grade, I recognized what uh, sticks of gum, little packs of uh, juicy fruit cost at the store, bought a bunch of them, kept them in my locker and sold it for like a buck and each one was like <laughs> 10 cents. So I, I was always coming up with uh, with stuff like that. That, that you just, you knew that you wanted to end up working for yourself and finding a way to make a living.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what, what types of uh, business were your parents in? What was the business? So, yeah, my,
1: uh, it was scrap metal. So, my great grandfather started the business as a, a Cooperage and Auto Parts, and it uh, transitioned to scrap metal from about the, the 40s through when they sold it in 99.
0: Wow, wow. So, that, that was a generational business that you guys had there, huh? That's cool. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I, uh, I'm still upset with them for selling it. You yeah. know, I, I wanted that, uh, that guarantee of going to college and having a job, but, yeah. uh, but Hey, you know, it, it builds character.
0: No, that's great. That's great. So where'd you go to college at Ohio state? Oh, very cool. Very cool. So, so talk a little bit about what you, so you went to, you went to school, you know, what, what happened next? Where, where did you, did you jump out into the, you into the job market and, and have a traditional job and you know, at what point did you start investing in real estate?
1: Yeah. So like you said, I went to college, got a job, moved around. So I went to Ohio State, I briefly lived in Seattle for a little bit with Boeing. Then I moved to Connecticut doing financial data and analytics, then moving into more of a shopper and retailer data and analytics role in Connecticut. And then about three and a half years ago, my wife and I, well, she was my, my girlfriend at the time, decided to move back to Columbus. We loved it here. And one of the biggest factors there was simply the cost of living. You know, we, we knew that we wanted to buy a house. We knew that we wanted to have kids. We had dogs at the time. So we wanted that backyard. And it was just so prohibitive in Connecticut. So you start looking at real estate markets and obviously in a city that we wanted to go to like Columbus. So we moved back here. And about nine months after we moved uh, back to Columbus, we ended up buying our home but in that in that process of finding our home which is was incredibly difficult being in, in the in the market the way it is here in Columbus our realtor became a close friend of mine and one of the things he, he suggested was you know like outside of the traditional single family home that you might be looking at have you thought about multifamily units where you know realistically your mortgage could be paid by whoever your tenant is mm-hmm. and i hadn't really given it that much thought before then and though for that for the purchase of our house, we didn't want to take that route, being that this was a home that we could see ourselves living in for 10 to 15 years with our family or starting our family. But it got me interested in the market and following the market on a pretty much daily basis as I would see receive the, the MLS updates. So after I bought or we bought our home, I loved the process, just fell in love with the process, recognized that there was an opportunity to to really start making some, some money and building some wealth. So read a lot of books, the millionaire real estate investor, that was one of my favorites, uh, really inspiring stuff to the point where I felt that, you know, I'm looking at the markets every day, I'm studying the markets, I'm educating myself, this is something that I could really see doing. I'm also a very handy guy, probably too handy for for my wife's liking, you know, breaking plumbing and electrical and stuff. But you know, I could fix the things that I found, or if there were some, you know, some apparent defects. I could take care of that. Wouldn't have to pay for it. So at that point, I decided this is a thing that I want to do. I want to get into the market. I want to build that wealth over time, but it was, it was really challenging. You know, Mm -hmm. these things would come on the market and an hour later had 15 offers. And and at that point, even, even cash wasn't doing it. It was just the highest and best. And Mm -hmm. so how do you break in? And then finally in February, this past February, about two, a little over two years, maybe actually two and a quarter years after I first started thinking about investing in real estate, we finally—I finally got my first property. It was a bit of a fun, fun adventure, but we got it, and it's actually going really well.
0: Well, that's great. That's great. So, so what type? So, what type of property was the uh, the first one that you you picked up?
1: It's a duplex I'm in an area of town just north of what would be considered kind of campus or, or student housing, mm-hmm. a very young professional area. It's it's. Uh, Right on the border of, of of a town called Clintonville, that's very desirable for a lot of young professionals or young okay. families. Just a standard duplex and have great tenants. Everything's going well with it.
0: No, that's great. So, so talk a little bit about the the things that you you know, when you first started looking at at properties. You you mentioned that you know you were you started following the market. Uh, how what what were you doing? How were you following the market? You know, what what types of tips would you give someone who's interested in you know, starting in, in real estate, what, what type of tips would you give them, you know, to get started?
1: Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. And I think that the first thing is, there's kind of two things, right? It is getting an understanding of your local market. And the way that I would suggest doing that is, is developing a relationship with, with a real estate agent, talking to them about what it is that your goals are, if you want single family, multifamily, or if you don't know what your goals are, just having that conversation, get set up with a search. My searches come through every morning. At some, at one point, I had them coming through as things were popping up throughout the day, but I recognized that wasn't necessarily the best approach. But even just seeing how property, how property transactions are going, how long they stay on the market, what the property value is, price per square foot in the areas that you're looking, the difference in property values, whether you're looking at a single family versus a multi and how they're priced differently. You know, between the people that are actually going to live there versus an investment, you start to pick up on those on those cues pretty naturally as you just happen to see and follow the real estate transactions in your local market. The second, so that's kind of the first piece is is set yourself, and it doesn't necessarily have to be with a realtor. You can do that on you know Realtor.com or Zillow or something. Set yourself up on a search. Uh, I just happen to become very friendly and close with with my realtor, and it just kind of made sense to bounce some ideas off of him at the time. But the second piece of that is understanding real estate as a business, so buying books, reading, understanding valuation terminology and your options for financing when it's a non-owner-occupied property, all that stuff is so different, even if you are familiar with the process of buying you know, a single family owner-occupied home, there's so much more that you need to learn and terminology that you need to understand prior to looking at any sort of investment unit. mm
0: mm-hmm, mm mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. What, so, what were some of the big learnings that you took away in the beginning? Some things that you were sort of struggling with, how to how to evaluate things or terms or anything like that. What were some of your early struggles?
1: I think the biggest struggle that I came across was understanding, and maybe maybe is isn't the same in every market, but that cash is not always king for uh for these properties people are looking for the the highest dollar value deals don't come around too often even if you do have a, a a cash quick close relative to other financing, especially in this this massive seller's market that we're in. The other thing is that is what you learn quickly, especially if you're looking for uh, multifamily units in desirable areas, people will strongly overpay if they're going to be living in one side of it. Mm-hmm. So fighting against the, the person that's gonna use it as their own home, and I, maybe, I shouldn't have said fighting, competing against mm-hmm. uh, somebody who's gonna use it as their own home is oftentimes they're gonna be willing to pay quite a bit more than you as an investor. Well, how do you know what you're gonna pay as an investor? So you gotta familiarize yourself with valuations, right? Cap rates, uh, gross rent multipliers, and put together a list for yourself of what, you know, what what your criteria really is. So one of the things that I really struggled with is determining what my criteria is what is my the rate the cap rate that I want to demand what is the the GRM that that it's going to be my minimum and you learn that through kind of kind of studying the comparables in the market talking to talking to other people that are interested the other piece that I thought was incredibly challenging to learn was simply the finance of non-owner occupied real estate you you have to pay to play you know especially with traditional mortgage financing so understanding what your options are outside of the traditional Mortgages, the traditional fifteen or thirty-year mortgages that you might be familiar with for your own properties.
0: Yeah, so, that was so, that was fun. So, what did you? What were some of those learnings that you that you learned about the the alternative financing methods?
1: Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of the opportunities are not fixed rate. Mm-hmm. So, non-owner occupied properties, in order to get a fixed rate, you typically have to pay pretty heavy upfront. Um, in order to get that fixed rate over time. So understanding what the options are at an adjustable rate over a particular period of time.
0: Hey, it's Matt. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I've been involved in the multifamily real estate realm for a while. It's something that I truly, truly enjoy. And I wanted you, my listeners, to be the first to know about something new coming out. We're calling it the MultiWiser Deal Room. It's a community of individuals, just like you, who want to get wise about multifamily real estate investing, developing, and even owning and managing your own complexes. You'll be able to network with people from all sections of the industry, from investors looking for deals, project managers looking for investors, real estate brokers, property management agencies, contractors, remodeling experts, finance growers, you name it, we're going to have it in the network. I've been at this for a while, and I know it takes a community to make just one of these projects happen, and the MultiWiser Deal Room is my attempt to shorten your learning curve and get you plugged into leading experts fast who can help you close your own deals. We start off with a video glossary of over 150 commonly used terms to increase your understanding and help you get moving. Also included in the community are training videos to help you be successful like how to put together a pitch deck, build a team, and so much more. We're going to have live, interactive Zoom calls where you can ask your questions and learn from people who are actually out there in the industry doing it. For more information, go to multiwiser.com.
1: And being comfortable with kind of taking that interest rate risk over the life of the loan, however long you want to amortize that, that that initial fixed piece. And that a traditional mortgage, through any sort of Credit union or, or any lender who issues mortgages are not necessarily the only options available. We actually ended up I'm in a partnership with my, my father for this financing through Morgan Stanley
0: mm-hmm. on
1: kind of a traditional a traditional just loan a seven a seven year adjustable rate loan that has it re, really is it, it is not uh, not nearly close to a, a traditional mortgage just kind of more backed by personal assets than anything mm-hmm so making those phone calls understanding that uh you're probably not going to get that traditional 30-year easy mortgage fixed rate that that you'd want prior to or unless you're actually going to be living in it yourself.
0: Got it, got it. Yeah. No, it's a, it is interesting when you start, you know, opening up your mind to to the other the other methods out there. Yeah. Talk a little bit about you mentioned that obviously the market's very very hot right now from a seller's perspective which makes it difficult to be able to buy. Do you have any tips or anything that you feel that you did to sort of, to to stand out with your offer and how you actually won that, that, you know, that project, that, that uh, duplex that you have now?
1: Yeah. I mean, we, over the course of the two years, I probably put in something like two dozen offers, some cash, quick close, some traditional financing, and just nothing seemed to work. I think to, to be quite honest, what happened with our situation was a bit lucky in that we were actually not chosen as the first offer, but the first offer was extremely aggressive in their closing time. They wanted a five day close and our seller wanted to get out of it very quickly. Mm -hmm. Their first offer uh, fell through on the day of closing. We were the next highest. They called us and said, are you still interested? Um, So we learned at the time, you know, again, very motivated seller. At that point we, the, the, the pendulum sort of swaying towards us, swung towards us mm-hmm. a little bit in a sense where we knew that they were motivated at this point, they wanted to get a deal done, and we actually revised our offer significantly lower so to be honest i, I don 't even know what advice I can share that, except for the fact of don't give up you know the, don't let the failure bother you because mm-hmm. uh, it's going to happen it's going to happen frequently, but at some point you know just you know let the world do its thing in the right the right situation that. That might have been challenging for somebody is gonna is gonna end up rewarding you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How have your uh, how have your your tenants been with uh, the COVID event? We'll call it. Yeah. Have you have you uh, been lucky enough to have tenants that weren't really that terribly affected, or has it impacted you?
1: Yeah, we've actually been extremely lucky, and our tenants have been lucky as well. They have careers that haven't quite been affected. On the one side of the duplex, one of our tenants did end up losing their job. But uh, but it was kind of a, a part-time gig until she could find the right opportunity that fit her career path. She had recently graduated with a, a, a master's degree. So it wasn't the, the biggest issue, but it, all, all of them are, are, are pretty lucky. And, and we're pretty lucky in that aspect as well that it hasn't hasn't impacted us much. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is just making sure that during the times that you do have to go down there and, and help them out, that you're being respectful of their space and wearing a mask and gloves and that type of thing.
0: Mm-hmm. No, makes sense. Can you talk a little bit about how other say, say there's another you know younger person who's looking to to get involved uh, in real estate? I, I know that you mentioned a little bit about obviously how to do some research about the area, but what yeah. other types of things uh, can they start to to look into to just start you know educating themselves or or you know getting that process started so that they can you know, have a successful First go at this when they when they do actually make that leap,
1: yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of it just comes down to your internal motivation. We have so many resources available to us, so many websites where you can set up searches or just you know look at uh, follow some podcasts. Look at recent real estate transactions. You, you don't have to have fancy technology. Anybody on their phone can download, you know, an app that that, that looks real estate in their area, and and start just to get an understanding of how things are selling, how quickly they're selling, pricing. It, it it really doesn't take much. One of the biggest thing that I would advise people to do is put yourself out there. Start, you know, looking on LinkedIn to see who is you know a, a real estate investor around you, or if you have friends of friends, or colleagues that you know do it reach out and start having conversations about their experiences and and really you know just learning from everybody else i think is is that huge piece that that uh, that you really have to put yourself out there for anybody can download an app anybody can study real estate transactions but i think hearing directly from people that have done it before and will help you to shape what you're looking for mm-hmm. so that you can set your own criteria up and know when there's an opportunity to jump on a deal that might be attractive to you yeah i mean i have seen people make mistakes and it's very obvious that they didn't do research and they, they just jumped at the first opportunity. They saw my, uh, my sister's boyfriend, I'll say is a great, great guy. Love him to death. But, uh, he, he was one of those that saw the first opportunity and jumped at it without doing his research. Didn't really understand that in that particular area, there were significant foundational issues, isn't really handy, so doesn't doesn't really look at things like plumbing and electrical, and lo and behold, is end up spending a a really strong amount of money over the the course of the year and a half that he's owned his property. So it's 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 a pretty interesting stark contrast to compare him to to other people I know who have who have done this as well. So yeah, you can definitely get yourself into trouble if if you don't do your research.
0: And that brings up the next question too. You mentioned you know when you look at things that are attractive to you what are some of the qualifications or the the check boxes that need to be checked off that you know you you say yeah this is this is a legitimate opportunity we're going to go ahead and put an offer in on this one what are what are some of those steps that you walk through
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first piece, and, and I know like everybody says this about real estate is location, right? Is it in the location that I feel comfortable with, that I feel would feel comfortable managing that's within a, a reasonable distance to my house? So if I have to go there at three in the morning for some sort of emergency, it's not going to take me an hour to do so. So kind of getting the scope of your location. And then I think the the piece of, do you, are you looking at single, multi, multi-family properties? What are you most comfortable with? After you kind of set that aside, I think then it's, it, for me, it's mostly financial before I see the property. So in order to actually go see the property, I have to make sure it's in the location I want that it fits what I want being a duplex or you know a triplex or four or more. And then it has to fit the financial model that I put together. So I built myself an amortization spreadsheet and model every property the same way. I always assume a higher interest rate than I think I'm going to get because I err on the side of caution and model, you know what your your PITI would be after, you know, with, with the assumptions that you're making. I take that and then I apply it to you know, what would a reasonable rent be for this area, do a little research on what similar properties are renting for or have rented for um, to make sure that, that my return, however you want to calculate return, some people like uh, GRM, some people are at cap rate, fits my minimum, while also budgeting for things like monthly expenses and that type of thing. So so once you have that criteria built, and that took a while to build, to be honest, to get that model in, in a place that I felt comfortable with it. And that's where you really kind of have to start understanding transactions and finance and rental rates in the areas and really put it all together. Mm-hmm. That That's that final piece. And, and if we check all those three boxes, the location, the actual layout of the, the property and meets my financial models, then I'll go see it. Or then I'll try to go see it if I can. Obviously, not always going to be the case with with investment properties and tenants and everything, but at that point, I would be comfortable moving forward, whether it be viewing the property or, or putting in a curb offer on it.
0: Mm-hmm. No, love it, love it. so wh- what would you say is uh, is next for you what's the next what's the next goal that you have? It's twofold, so
1: I'm actually looking to to grow. My properties, obviously I know that could take a little bit more time. I'm actually seeing one tomorrow it just popped up on the market today. I'm very excited about it. And then the second piece is I'm actually currently working towards the pre-licensure to get uh, to get my real estate license so that uh, eventually I can do something in real estate or, or have real estate be you know my full-time gig, whether it be you know doing a little investment stuff, doing a little real estate sales, maybe dabbling in some some handyman or contract work, but making you know real estate a big
0: portion of my life. That's great. That's great. Daniel, if, uh, if people want to reach out to you, what would you say is the best way to, to be able to get in touch?
1: I love having conversations like this. I really do e- email me, call me, text me, whatever. I-, I would absolutely love and welcome having those types of conversations.
0: Excellent. Do you, do you have any, uh, context that you want to throw out to the, to the world here? Any? Yeah, to, to, so... yeah
1: absolutely. Just, just say I'm out there email and, yeah. and, and phone. Awesome.
0: Yeah. So
1: my email is is at gmail.com, and, and Bobry is spelled with uh, B is in Bravo, O is in Oscar, B is in Bravo, R is in Romeo, Y is in Yankee. I always have to spell that out because B's and D's often get you know confused mm-hmm. over over the phone. But it's it, both are B's. And then my phone number is five eight five seven zero three eight four two nine. People get confused. I do live in Columbus, Ohio, but I do have a Rochester, New York phone number still. But yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely welcome that.
0: Love it, love it. No, this is fantastic, Daniel. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, you've helped inspire some other people that have been looking at getting involved in real estate. I, I personally love it, obviously. So, can't, can't uh, say enough about it. So, but uh, again, thank you for spending the time here on the show, and uh, we look forward to hearing what you do next.
1: No, oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. I really, uh, I love talking about this. So it was, it was a great opportunity for me. Thank you.
0: Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.